0: Theories of the Third
1: Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I'm one of your hosts. There are two other hosts that are joining me today, of course Danielson. You guys. And Anna.
2: Hello, hello.
1: So before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you'd like to help us out, then there's a
3: few ways that you can do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is 16 cents a day, you can sign up to our Patreon and get an extra episode each week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to members only. Today, we released a Patreon exclusive episode, which is over declassified documents. Also, we have over 30 extra episodes, which is over 56 extra hours already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as the Tavistock Institute, The Exorcism of Clara, Celli, CERN, Glitches in the Matrix, Nexium Cult, Disney Darkness, Isaac Cappy, FEMA, and much more. We have a lot of extra Patreon episodes and a ton of extra blooper reels, which you get access to all of them for just five bucks a month.
2: Another way to support the show is through merchandise. Just teleport on over to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click the shop button. Then you could see all the merch we have for sale. T-shirts, hats, hoodies, beanies, all that good stuff. Also, I know things are tough out there right now, so if you can't afford a shirt or Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes, and that helps us out a ton.
1: If you don't want to leave one, though, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Illuminati members, Underground Lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Or you can go to our website, TheoriesOfTheThirdKind.com, click on the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses to be able to get a hold of us. All right. So that is the end of the announcements. So let's get into today's episode, which is over remote viewing. So how this episode will go today is that we will first discuss what is remote viewing. Then we will go into the history of it, the government's involvement in remote viewing. Then we go into the strange facts and findings, theories, and of course, we wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, Let's get into today's episode.
3: Remote viewing is the ability to meditate into having an out of body experience and travel to another time and place. This remote viewing caught the attention of the United States government. They started a top secret project, studying this technique and finding individuals with this ability. For almost two decades, the United States government spent millions of dollars exploiting these people with psychic powers in order to use them as spies. However, in 1995 the CIA took over this top secret project and quickly cancelled it, claiming that remote viewing was not possible. But that begs the question, why in 2017 when thousands of declassified documents about this top-secret project involving remote viewing were made public, were there astronomical findings in it? Findings that suggest remote viewing actually worked very well. Were they trying to cover something up? So to better understand this
1: all, of course, we have to start with the history of remote viewing. So Anna, can you start us off with that?
2: So this all starts back in the late 1960s and early 70s, when we were concerned that the Soviets were working on these abilities to spy on us. Since we couldn't let them get ahead of us in the game, there began the search for people with this special ability, in which they found an individual named Ingo Swan. Ingo was part of a study in New York called American Society for Psychical Research. This study consisted of Ingo experimenting with out-of-body travel or psychic perception at a distance. He would be sitting in a chair and attempting to project his consciousness into sealed boxes that were placed on small platforms a few feet above his head. In those boxes, there would be a symbol or item that is completely shielded from his view. Ingo would be monitored with electrodes, that would record any movement that he made in his chair even with these conditions he surprisingly succeeded in describing each of the targets
1: wait were they afraid he was going to move so fast that they wouldn't be able to detect him or something like the flash
3: they were afraid that he was going to i guess not afraid but they wanted to make sure that he wasn't moving to try to get a see if he could like look around or something like that oh they wanted him to be completely still okay to make sure that only thing that was working was His mind? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, at first that confused me too, then I kind of realized, like, they had him pretty much sitting in a chair just staring at it. All right.
2: That doesn't look creepy at all. Not at all. During one of the tests, Ingo was able to tell them that one of the lights that should have been illuminating the target was inoperable. They stated that there would have been no way he could have known that by any normal means. Well, Ingo decided the program could use some technique changes and offered ideas on what to change. With doing so, he was able to describe the weather in other places after making these changes.
1: Wait, hold on. Like, he would say the weather in, let's just say, Sri Lanka was 93 degrees, and he had no ability to look that up quickly.
2: Exactly. He would do places around, of course, the U.S., and they would call the weather station and confirm what the weather was there. And he was always right.
1: Okay, that's interesting.
2: So, then we go to 1972. There is a physicist named Dr. Hall Patoff. Ingo and Dr. Howe met and decided to conduct an experiment that was big. Big enough to catch the CIA's attention. By the mid-1970s, the Defense Intelligence Agency or DIA started to take control of the program. By 1978, they had already started using remote viewing techniques to collect intelligence against foreign adversaries. And then by 1991, the DIA named the program Stargate. And that is when a lot of the interesting stuff started to happen.
3: All right, that is the history behind remote viewing and how it started. So, Aaron, can you tell us a little more about the government's projects behind this? of course. So the first one we're going to talk about is Project Stargate. So in
1: 1978, at Fort Meade, Maryland, the Defense Intelligence Agency, or DIA, and the Stanford Research Institute, SRI, they established a secret U.S. Army unit, which at the time was called the Gondola Wish Program. Now, a little side note here, uh, for nearly two decades, this Program went by a number of different names. It went from, of course, the Gondola Wish, to Grill Flame, to Inscom Center Lane, Sunstreak, and then finally, of course, in 1991, Stargate. But from here on out, we're just going to refer to it as Stargate. You know, just a little FYI for the listeners going forward. All right. so this project's main goal was to locate individuals with psychic powers in order to use the individuals as spies. Of course, like we said earlier, the psychic powers that they planned to harness was called remote viewing. So this program would receive millions of dollars in funding over many of its years of existence. Now, even though it did receive these millions of dollars in funding, it didn't get much support from individuals in the government who were aware of this program, who were not a lot of people since it was top secret so those few people who knew about it they were kind of skeptical to say the least and were hesitant on providing this funding for it also they couldn't get many high ups in the government to help with the program because of the stigma associated with researching psychic powers right now this isn't to say that the people in the government didn't want to be involved because they did they just didn't want others to know that they were involved with it because they were afraid of tarnishing the reputation by being involved with this program that was kind of looked at as crazy by the others who were aware of it. So that's just a little, another little side note. All right, so this program bounced around between defense-related government agencies over the years before being sent to the CIA in 1995, who quickly canceled it after the evaluation found it to be without merit. Or maybe that's what they want us to think. So, of course, some believe that Stargate was never really canceled, but just rolled over to a new, even more secretive program, which would kind of make sense, seeing that there was some pretty intriguing findings throughout the 17-year run of this super-classified government project. Now, there were some declassified documents that were released by the government in 2017 that had some intriguing findings.
3: One document that talked about the program as a whole said the following. While the program didn't prove psychic abilities, it didn't disprove them either. The document also said, and I quote, Some remote viewing experiences are difficult to explain. Hmm. Okay. Another interesting find in the declassified papers was a CIA meeting document with handwritten notes from 1995, which, of course, was the same year the agency canceled the program. So this CIA meeting document said, and I quote, remote viewing is inherent to all, can be developed.
1: So that means people can develop. Anybody. Yeah, anybody can do this. Okay.
3: Now, there are a lot more interesting things in the documents such as several hundred top-secret intelligence gathering missions that used remote viewing. The missions included remote viewers having correctly identified the location of Soviet submarines, downed airplanes, hostages, and even former Libyan dictator Gaddafi in the 80s. Now, we will get into more details about these documents during Strange Facts and Findings, but we just wanted to talk about Project Stargate and what it was briefly.
1: Yeah, so like Dan said, before we get into Strange Facts and Findings, uh, let's discuss Project Gateway real quick. So, Anna, you got some information about that project, don't you?
2: For sure. This isn't the first time that we've talked about this. Uh, I did a Theories Thursday on it back at the early starts of Season 2, but this we went a bit more in-depth about. So, it was a CIA program that was declassified in 2017. And the Gateway Process was a meditation lesson that taught humans to harness their own electromagnetic energy waves, which come from their body. It also taught them how to control brain waves and use them to essentially detach from time and space. It used techniques like hemisync, binaural beats, and even hypnosis to allow the participants, known as viewers, to meditate into an out-of-body experience and go to specific locations and times to document what they see while they are there. Before the CIA got a hold of these techniques, Robert Monroe had developed Hemisync to explore different levels of consciousness.
1: And that's what you talked about in the Theories Thursday, right?
2: Exactly, this. Okay. Yes, Hemisync specifically. So Hemisync uses headphones to play tones through each ear in a calculated way to allow both hemispheres of your brains to create different connections that allow them to sync up, which makes you more easily astral project or have an out-of-body experience. Monroe has been in the forefront of using this technique to travel through dimensions. The events that led him to figuring out this technique didn't come to him until later in his life. He was 43 when he first started to feel this vibration that would occur in his chest. And the only way that the vibration would stop was when he went to go lay down. He would feel this for a couple times a week. When he would go lay down, it would lead him to having an out-of-body experience. The first time, he thought he was about to die. And he fought it and returned to his body. Fearing something was wrong with him, he went to the doctors and they said he was completely healthy. So he continued to have these experiences and figured if it wouldn't kill him, and he always returned to his body, that he would just keep trying them out. So that began his curiosity about where he could go. He dedicated his life and career to his studies, where him and his team came up with HemiSync. So after Monroe had opened his own institute and proven to be successful, that is when the CIA came in and asked him to help them with using this to train people to go on missions for the government using it.
1: Wow. Dale.
2: Yeah, and his institution is still available today to go and learn from. Pretty cool.
1: Are we going to send you to it?
2: Oh, you know, it's funny. I actually, I did start the tapes yesterday. Oh. And I could already feel that they, the tones they use really help. And if you've never listened to something in 8D, oh my gosh, you gotta. With some headphones on, listen to something made in 8D, you will have your mind blown. 8D, what's that? It's a, a frequency.
3: Oh, okay. Can you describe what it sounds like? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, is like, get like red. really?
2: They make it to where it's a 3D effect. So it sounds like the person is singing in front of you, walking around, going into your left ear, through your head, to the right ear. It's a full immersive feeling experience. I will send you a video.
1: That sounds like some ASMR shit.
3: So that sounds like shit. Aaron loves that. No, 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 no.
1: I
2: don't think it would. it's like that. <gasps> You're going to astral
1: project. They don't do anything like that? No. No? Okay, good.
2: This is a song. Like, you may know the song already. And they use different frequencies to affect you more.
1: All right, so that's some pretty interesting stuff. So I guess that kind of transitions us into strange facts and findings, where we're going to talk about remote viewing and individuals having these strange experiences and describe what they found and what they saw during their experiences. So um, who wants to talk about the first person who was a viewer for this program and discuss what he experienced?
2: All right, so this guy, his name is Joseph McMoneagle. So he was a part of the remote viewing CIA program, Stargate, from 1978 to 1984. We're going to call him Joe participated in 450 missions, including helping the army find hostages in Iran and helping CIA agents locate shortwave radio hidden in the pocket calculator of a KGB agent captured in South Africa. Damn. I know, dude was good. For sure. So with all this experience he had with remote viewing, he described in this video that I have this little clip of, like when you would use remote viewing, kind of like what's... He gave a couple examples. I just thought the way he described it was notable to have you guys listen to. So we're going to play that clip for you right now.
0: At the last year of my time at the project, Stargate project, to teach me to control my out-of-bodies, I wanted to see if controlled out-of-bodies were better at producing information, collection information, than remote viewing. It turns out you can do very specific things with out-of-bodies that you can't do with remote viewing, but its I don't think it's as good. If you want to know how the trigger mechanism works on a Chinese nuclear weapon, out-of-bodies better, because you can go to the Chinese nuclear weapon, and put your face in it, look around, do detailed drawing. But if you want to know where all the parts from the weapon came from, remote viewing is better, because all the parts are intricately linked together data-wise. So things are different for how you want to do things. Okay,
1: so he does explain the difference between remote viewing and uh, astral projection Mm -hmm. there pretty well. Okay.
2: Yeah. Further into the interview, he does mention how he gets into these states of mind before he's able to remote view. And honestly, it sounds to me like he goes into a float tank, you know, that's filled with water and Epsom salts. And he lays there with HemiSync. As he's laying there, he either receives or he remembers his coordinates that he's supposed to go to. And from there, he takes off and goes to that place where, when he's there, he's supposed to analyze it and let them know what he's seeing. So, this remote viewing trip that we're going to discuss today took him to a place he had never seen before. The ground was dry and dead. Somehow, though, he knew it was Mars. And not current day Mars. This was a million years ago. Joe believes it's the place on Mars where you could see the face. And there's like a cluster of pyramids, what he would say. So we have some transcript that was found from Joseph being guided by Robert Monroe during this remote viewing sessions, And I figured, Aaron, you could play... As Joe and Dan, maybe you could do Robert Monroe.
1: Okay. Okay. That sounds good. I always wanted to go to Mars. Yeah. (sighs) I always thought I could be an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Roll the background music. (laughs) I see what looks like a... No, it sort of looks... It sort of looks. I've got an oblique view of a a pyramid, a pyramidal form. It's uh, it's very high. It's kind of sitting in a large depressed area. All right. It's yellowish, uh, ochred colored.
3: All right. Move in time to the time indicated in the envelope I provided you, and describe what's happening. Got
1: an impression of severe, severe clouds. Uh, More like dust storm, a geologic problem. Um, Seems to be like a... Just a minute. I've got to iron this out. It's it's, It's a little weird. Just report your raw perceptions at this time. You're still early in the session. I'm looking at an after effect from a major geologic problem.
3: Okay, go back to the time before the geologic problem. Um,
1: total difference. It's a before, there's a no, it's a no, oh hell. It's like mounds of dirt appear and they disappear when you go before. Uh, I see a a large flat surfaces, very uh, smooth angles, walls. They're really large though, I mean they're megalithic
3: all right all right at this period in time now before the geologic activity look around in and around this area see if you can find any activity i'm seeing a
1: it's like a perception of a shadow of people they're very tall thin but it's only a shadow it's as if they were there and they're not not there anymore go back to a period of time
3: where they are there
1: impression of it's it's like a get a lot of static on the line and everything it's it's uh it's breaking up all the time very fragmentary pieces
3: just report the raw data don't try to put things together just report the raw data
1: uh very tall again very large people but they're thin they look thin because of their height and they dress like in, oh hell, it's its like a real light silk but it's not flowing type of clothing, it's like cut to
2: fit. This is where things get very interesting.
1: They're ancient people, they're dying. It's past their time or age, they're very philosophic about it, they're looking for a way to survive and they just can't. They're hanging on while they look or wait for something to return or something coming with an answer.
2: When Monroe asked what these people were looking for, Joe said that a group or a party of them had left to find a new place to live.
1: It's like I'm getting all kinds of overwhelming input of the corruption of their environment. It's failing rapidly, and this group went somewhere, like a long way to find another place to live.
2: Monroe asked what caused the environmental disturbance, and it's apparent that Joe was picking up a lot of raw data that was difficult to decipher.
1: Oh, I, I get a glove. It's like a globe that goes through a comet's tail, or it's through a river or something. But it's all very cosmic. It's like space
2: pictures. When Monroe asked how the search party left, Joe replied that he got the impression of the inside of a larger boat with rounded walls and shiny metal. Monroe suggested that Joe should accompany the search party to wherever they're going. So he did. His eerie description is of, quote, a really crazy place with volcanoes and gas pockets and strange plants. Joe described it as a very volatile place, like going from the frying pan into the fire. But he pointed out that there was more vegetation here than the other place, which had none. He wondered if their destination could have been Earth in early formative years. Wow. yeah
1: so what was the whole like what was the conclusion of what happened of this journey
2: Uh, that he traveled to mars and saw structures on mars and then ultimately found people on mars and the planet had had uh, geological problems that made them have to leave and when they left from what it sounds like the life forms went to planet earth And started life. And these people that you were, or we were talking to, were waiting for the people to come back to come and get them.
1: Whoa. So there was tall, thin, alien-like creatures on Mars. Yes. Okay. And that's what he saw millions of years ago.
2: Yes. And he says that the structures that have the face, or what seems like the face on Mars, is actually a pyramid. And these pyramids on Mars are much bigger than the pyramids of Giza. And that there's some that have clusters. And he, uh, in that video, I think it was, where we listened to the little clip, if you continue, he breaks down his experience of going to Mars even more.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. That is like the definition of strange facts and findings right there. That is very interesting.
2: Yeah. Hmm. And to think he went on 450 missions. And this one, he went to Mars. Where did he go on those other ones? Yeah. It's a <laughs> lot of missions.
3: Yeah, it is. So the only thing I question is so he's remote viewing and Monroe says, "All right, I'm giving you an envelope. There's coordinates on it." How the hell does he know where the coordinates are exactly?
2: He gets Like that I don't understand. He won't know like that those coordinates are Antarctica or something with the remote viewing because Time and space is essentially made up, you know. We are perceiving the space around us. So, when he puts himself in that envelope essentially to look at what's inside of it, he sees those numbers and then goes to that point in this digital world where that is. And then he describes what he sees, not knowing if he's even in the place that he's supposed to be, but he still says what there is. Um, and then Obviously, they can, they'll can. know if he's where he's supposed to be based off of the description. There was a, a test. I know later on we get into uh, Yuri Geller. I think that chick talked about it, Aaron. It was like him and Ingo did a test where they went gave coordinates to a place. And when they went to go investigate the place, it, it didn't look like the place that they described, even though they both described the same exact place. Yes. And then they went to, uh, the person was like, hold on, let me go check something out. And they went to investigate what they described and went down the road just a little bit further. And there was the flagpole that they both described and the, the pieces, everything was described just like uh, two miles down the road.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: So that was like, hmm.
3: no, I mean, kind of makes sense of it.
2: I mean, the yeah. way that it started was this whole thing was they would put a drawing inside an envelope that he couldn't see, him or Yuri, and they would have him look at the envelope or like visualize what was in it and then draw what he saw. And he, he was always accurate, especially Yuri Geller, as we get to talk about him later. Um, him and Ingo Swan were really good at getting it right. So, um, they ended up being some of the lead people in the projects.
1: man they did some crazy things too.
2: they did but
1: uh but before we talk about that, i I found this next strange fact and finding, and I figured it fit perfect with what you just talked about it's uh it was an another set of declassified documents, and it talked about an individual who was remote viewing Titan, which was one of the Saturn's moons. And the remote viewer stated in the declassified document that they were observing a base on Titan's surface. And it had creatures on it that were astonishing human-like. These human-like creatures were operating this base on Titan's surface. The base also had two healthy young males at a control panel and were being supervised by a very attractive female. Ooh. So that just shows you right there that the females are in charge. Oh, yeah. Over there.
2: <laughs> you know, we talked about that in, it might have been the hemi episode, but I feel like we brought that up. I don't recall what episode it was. But it doesn't surprise me, because we've talked about so many other different moons that could have life, you know, our moon being possibly hollow, stuff like that. So it doesn't in surprise Phobos. me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So, hmm. Interesting. Very. All right, so what's another strange fact finding we
3: have? So the next one we have is Loch Ness. Ed Dames, who was an overseer for Project Stargate, said when he traveled, he learned that the image of Loch Ness that was taken is is a picture of a ghost of a dinosaur. He even claimed to go to the city of Atlantis and knows where it is.
1: No, so hold on. So he's claiming that Loch Ness, that famous photo of Loch Ness is actually a picture
3: of a ghost? Yeah. Of a sprontosaurus, probably?
2: Huh. I I don't know. It could be, like, one of the ones that live in the water.
3: Oh, yeah, they do have the ones.
2: Like a long neck, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what the, according to one of his remote viewing trips, that was something he had learned.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of that theory before.
2: Me neither, but yet doesn't it kind of seem right? It looks like it could totally be a ghost.
1: Yeah, it
3: does. But the ghost is moving the water, isn't it? In that picture, the water, like there's like little ripples in the water. Hey, ghosts can, hey, if
1: ghosts can sit here and open doors and do whatever else, I'm, they can swim. Mm-hmm.
2: So, I mean, that
3: wouldn't mean they're a ghost and that would mean they're a uh, poltergeist. They're the ones that can like do the physical stuff, right?
2: I don't think so. Cause like my, I,
1: I just classify all of them underneath ghosts, I just throw them all into the one category.
2: Well, think of people that have spirit guides, Their spirit guides can alter things around them. Like, you could feel the touch of your spirit guide, they can make things move.
3: Don't you touch me there, spirit guide.
2: <laughs> and I wouldn't consider that polter- poltergeist stuff.
3: Hmm.
1: Okay.
2: Speaking of that type of stuff, the witches is the next thing that comes as a strange fact Ooh. and finding. Uh-oh. So, in the group of remote viewers working with this lead teacher at Dames that we were talking about, there were two women. And these women preferred not to call it remote viewing and instead used more common psychic words, such as channeling. When they weren't channeling for the government, the women would provide the men with tarot readings and give them positive predictions in their personal lives. Dames called these personal sessions psychic blowjobs <laughs> oh,
1: God! Damn. and held
2: disdain <laughs> for the women's lack of interest in the project's military endeavors.
1: <laughs> I'm going to start calling that now when I get like tarot readings. I'm going to go get a psychic blowjob now.
3: <laughs> Just had a psychic
1: blowjob today. Well, they it used
2: good. it to their advantage because they knew how to work it.
1: Well, good for them.
3: I
2: mean,
1: that is a strange fact in finding.
3: <laughs> strange name for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, speaking of sexual favors, uh, this next strange fact and finding is about the Podesta emails. So one of the emails that had turned up during the Podesta email hack during the 2016 election was from a former astronaut, Edgar Mitchell. And he wrote to John Podesta, who was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager at the time, and he said, and I quote, Because the war in space race is heating up, I felt you should be aware of several factors as you and I schedule our Skype talk. Remember our nonviolent ETI, extraterrestrial intelligence from the contiguous universe are helping us bring zero point energy to earth, but will not tolerate any forms of military violence on earth or in space. Now, The choice of words there is interesting. A contingent universe doesn't suggest a great distance through space, but a different dimension altogether. And if this is true, that they will not tolerate any forms of military violence, then that would mean that they would not let us get to the point of war. And that is why we haven't started one for some time and aren't afraid to threaten to use power because they know it is all just shit talk. You know, just some thoughts.
2: It makes a good point. You create fear by saying that war is hap could happen, but really, all the world powers work together to create this fear to try to have control. But they know that they'll never pull the trigger, because the aliens will never let them actually pull the trigger.
1: Every war is a banker's war.
2: You're right. Follow the money.
1: They all profit off of it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I mean that. I mean that is an interesting thought. You know. But I'd, I'd like to get some of that zero-point energy. You know how bad that'd screw up the entire world economy? But I'm down for it. Oh, yeah. I'd be without a job, but who needs a job when you have zero-point energy? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: Well, you find work doing other things, maybe something you're more passionate about.
1: All right. So you've got a little note here. Is that your note, Anna?
2: Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, when I had written out this information about the John Podesta emails, I went to DuckDuckGo, typed in John Podesta emails to link him to Clinton, and all I typed in was John Podesta emails, and then all of a sudden I felt like my computer almost got took over for a half second, because everything highlighted that I had already typed, then it, like, looked like it sent it, like, press enter or whatever. And then my monitor went to, the page couldn't be def- found. And then it said no internet. And I hmm. was like, this is not weird at all.
3: NSA is taking over your computer. Who do you have for internet provider?
2: Uh, Spectrum.
3: Is Spectrum like Comcast?
2: Probably. I think Spectrum
1: and Comca- Comcast are the same thing.
3: All right. Story time with Dan. So we all know that Comcast has now put an internet data cap on certain states. Right, Aaron? Me and you are dealing with that shit. Yeah. So I ended up opening up a chat on Xfinity's website to talk to them, make sure that they actually activated my unlimited data because I did opt in for it the previous week. Charter owned Spectrum. Uh Oh. Well, it'll still work because y'all are going to get a kick out of this shit. So I'm talking to these people, you know, making sure I have unlimited data and everything. They said, yeah, they added it, but for some reason, the lady before, Didn't activate it. Yeah. Added it to the bill, but did not activate it. So she activated for me. Then now I have unlimited data. All right. So I was just like, all right. Now what about upgrading my internet? Like, tell me like what plans you got. Then something happened, Aaron and Anna. Guess
1: what? She told you you can upgrade and get unlimited data.
3: No. Your internet went out. My internet went out. I'm like, what the hell just happened? So like Discord cut off. Everything cut off. I was like, what the hell? So I went onto Google Chrome and entered a website to see if I can go somewhere. A website popped up, or pretty much like an image, saying that the internet for this device has been paused. If you would like to unpause it, you need to open up XFi app on a different internet connection and unpause. So I went to my XFi app for my internet, went to the uh, connections or devices, only... My computer that I was on talking to them was paused. Everything else was still active. I blame them. I think they did it to me. They paused my fucking connection, which disconnected me. So I couldn't ask any more questions. I'm just like, I didn't ask anything like private, but.
1: Yeah. And for people who don't know what Dan's talking about with this whole internet thing. So Comcast, they announced starting January 1st that they were going to limit data and how much you internet you can use no matter if you went and got like their oh i want their 300 megabyte download internet or 50 megabyte download internet they're only going to limit you to an x amount of usage each month that you can use for your internet which is like totally messed up right yeah and a lot of people in the northeast were affected by it i know i was affected by it and they were like oh it's only gonna affect like one percent of users when it's like bullshit dude Within like. 14 days, somehow, I had used up almost the entire 1.4 terabyte, which I think it's BS. But, yeah, so uh, next thing you know, they're going to start limiting how much internet you can use. Yep.
3: That's why I had to go to unlimited, because I was about at my cap, and I'm just like, we still got a couple weeks left in the month to upload and download episodes to edit and shit. I was like, I need need the internet. Yeah. It's booty. I was able to unpause it by myself, like myself, but the mm. fact that they actually had the power to do that on their own.
1: Yeah, them alone, but not only them, but the NSA, they can pretty much do anything they want. Yeah, They have the ability, it sounds crazy, but it is 100% true that they have the ability to do anything they want with your cell phone, with your computer. They can hack in right now, not even hack in, go through the back door that was created by the software developers to come and look right at your webcam. They're able to turn the webcam on without the light even be going on to show it's on and watch you. Same thing with phones and everything. So in, e- even if you type something out and don't send it in a message and you erase it, that still is captured. Yeah. They they record every single phone call. It sounds crazy, but they do. So, Yeah. Anyways, it could be the AI and not NSA. AI is secretly taken over, but th- we'll save that for theories. All right, so what's the next strange fact <laughs> and finding we got?
3: The next one we got is Yuri Geller. We were just talking about him with Ingo Swan. <sighs> Stop looking at me, Swan. Now, this name may sound familiar to you. It is because we talked about him, you know, in our superhuman abilities episode as well. He was the guy who could bend spoons and claim to be psychic. Well, in it, I believe we briefly touched on him catching the attention of the CIA. Well, today we are going to talk a little bit more about that. Yuri's abilities were being studied at Stanford Research Institute, SRI. Head researcher Dr. Hal called Dr. Kit Green, who at the time was working for the CIA and wanted to get his opinion on Yuri's abilities. Dr. Kit is an MD and has an extensive knowledge in electrophysiology and neurophysiology. And that is what would come in handy to see how Yuri may be able to do these things that he does. So, back to the phone call. Dr. Hal calls Dr. Kit, and Dr. Kit is skeptical of what Dr. Hal is saying he can do. So, Dr. Hal lets Dr. Kit know he has Yuri with him in the room. After initial greeting, Dr. Kit says he wants to see if Yuri can see what he puts on his desk. So, without revealing everything to Yuri, Dr. Hal says, okay, Yuri. I have this scientist on the line here from the East Coast and we want to test your abilities to see if they work long distance. And as of now, all his previous experiments were done in the same area. So Dr. Kit grabs the book by his desk, which happens to be on the illustrations of the nervous system. He opens the book to a random page and just stares at it. Meanwhile, as Yuri is drawing what he sees, then crumbling the paper and throwing it away, dissatisfied by how the image is translating, drawing. He ends up saying it looks like scrambled eggs but it's not and he could see the word architecture clearly. The astonishing thing about this drawing is that the page Dr. Kitt was staring at was a cross-section of the brain and on the top of this paper he had written in his own handwriting architecture of a viral infection. Yuri did this many more times on many different occasions Dr. Howell felt as though there was suddenly undoubtedly evidence showing he does have these abilities. The only reason they didn't go public with their finds was because of their connection with the CIA being tied to it.
1: I heard some stuff about uh, Yuri and what he did similar to that, and it was crazy, some of the tests he went through.
2: Yeah, he did a lot of work. I, even though I had researched him a bit to talk about his superhuman ability, I didn't know how deep he was connected to helping the military with this project
1: yeah yeah they were filling his pockets that's for sure yeah. using him as a psychic spy
3: i know uh they did multiple tests of calling people like on the different you know coast opposite coast and like having them kind of like don't describe like where you're at but yuri or it was either yuri or ingo was to describe what they were looking at or the, at least their position and he was actually able to do it multiple times with different people and then actually tell them like how the weather is where they're at without knowing where they were.
1: Yeah, they did a lot of a lot of crazy things like uh, I think something about they got a an image and they were across the room and had somebody draw an image of grapes, 24 grapes and put it in an envelope. And then Yuri had to draw whatever that person drew and he drew 24 grapes exactly like the other person. Did a lot of things like that.
2: Yeah.
3: Now, there is one thing I heard that Yuri wasn't able to use his powers with certain scientists that he didn't like. Or, yeah. Yeah, pretty much he didn't like. Mm-hmm. We don't know why that was. He just, if he didn't uh, get along with them, his powers didn't really work well with them.
2: My guess is because he cuts that connection that he would have to them, that energetic connection. He doesn't like the energy they bring, so he wouldn't put his energy... He wouldn't attach himself to that, because you feed off of each other when you do that. So, that's what what my mind goes to, at least.
1: I, I agree. Yeah, I can see that. Alright, so what's this last strange fact and finding we have before we hop into theories?
2: Well, I feel like if we didn't at least mention this, somebody would say something, but I've never seen the movie. Uh, It's on my to-watch list now, but Men Who Stare at Goats is actually about remote viewing. I'm sure if you saw the trailer, you remember George Clooney staring at a goat until it falls over and dies. Well, that's because he says that he can make a goat's heart stop by just getting to like a certain frequency, matching this frequency and just stopping it. But yeah, I personally haven't seen it. Have you guys seen it?
3: Clips of it.
1: I've seen seen it a long time ago, and I'm trying to jog my memory. And all I remember really is a clip of them in the desert getting shot at.
2: It's got George Clooney, Ewan uh, Ewan McGregor, um, Jeff Bridges. You mean Obi-Wan? Yeah. Ewan. Yeah. And there was another big actor I can't think of right now. But yeah, four big named actors in it. We don't really talk about it, but I don't know. I don't know I'm trying to say with that. Besides, why would they take a role if it didn't have some sort of interest? Exactly. That's a really random. Didn't
3: they do, like, testing them with, like, drugs and stuff, I think? LSD? Yeah. I think so. I don't know. I I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I kind of want to say so. Like, the only movie scene I kind of remember from that is, like, George Clooney, like, they said something to him, and he, like, ends up walking out of the room, and, out into the desert, and he's just walking, and he's, like, all pissed off or something like that. I want to say it's like that. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I remember that part. Anyways, all right, so that takes us to theories. All right, Ana, so what's the first theory you got for us?
2: Okay. So when you go through the gateway process documents, the declassified ones, it does a much better job explaining this, to be honest, but... It breaks down that essentially our reality is just a hologram. And they even have diagrams showing how this works.
1: In the declassified documents?
2: Yeah. Wow. Did you go through it?
1: A little bit, but I didn't get to that part.
2: Yeah, it was on like page 16 or something like that. So energy creates stores and retrieves meaning in the universe by projecting or expanding at certain frequencies in a 3D mode that creates a living pattern. So an example used by experts would be, visualize a bowl of water and drop three pebbles into it. You see the ripples at the top of the water as it pushes towards the rim of the glass. Now freeze frame that top layer of water those ripples are still frozen in time. Now, if you were to remove the ice from the top of the water and the pebbles are st- and still sitting at the bottom of the bowl, okay, so you take that frozen layer and you shine a laser on it, you would see an image of the pebbles suspended in the air because those, rep- those ripples created an imprint of those pebbles being dropped in the water. So. According to the declassified document that says about holograms, quote, in regards to consciousness, humans not only know, but they know they know. They're able to monitor the process of their own thinking and maintain an awareness of it. Moreover, they can conduct a comparable assessment, evaluating the functioning of their thought processes against various objective standards they have adopted. Human consciousness can do this because it has the capacity to duplicate aspects of its own hologram, project them out, or perceive that projection. They put it through comparisons with the memory aspect, which is where its evaluation standard of measure is stored, of its own hologram and measures or senses the differences using the 3D geometry and the binary go-no-go no go pulse to yield verbal cognition about the self. I mean, we know that the world is made up of sacred geometry. So it's saying that all of these are just reflections that we process as images, but really it's not there. We are creating the visuals in front of us so we are the universe experiencing itself as a human being everything in our life we manifested through thought and action and we have the ability to go to any timeline that we can raise our frequency to by visualizing it so then our hologram reality becomes real in front of our eyes because we made it so so if you go to that declassified document and you go to, like, page 16, it shows a Taurus, and the Taurus talks about how the universe rotates back within itself. Honestly, it's hard for me to explain when you read all the different sections. It all goes together very well. But right now, I do not have the ability to explain it and give it justice without just straight reading the document.
1: Dude, that's wild that this was classified. This information was classified.
2: Yeah, and this and it shows directly this document itself says that astral projection is real. It talks about studies done by Robert Monroe, Hemisync, that that stuff works and also that our reality is a hologram. So it's a lot to take in, but it's a really good read. I didn't I can't say I read it all, but I did read a lot of it. But I also read that document when I did HemiSync a while back. Kind of scary. It is a little bit.
1: Well, that's a really good theory and kind of scary. A little scary. All right. I like it.
2: Aaron, what is this recruit theory that you put down?
1: All right. So this next theory is something that I kind of thought of from a thread that I saw posted online. So the theory goes maybe the government had. A lot of issues finding individuals with this remote viewing ability. And they couldn't teach many people how to do it. You know, they were having issues. So they decided to release these documents in hopes as a way to find more people that can do this, that already have this ability. And why would they need more people for this remote viewing, right? So a few months ago, I came across an interesting post on a conspiracy forum. And the individual talked about how the government has guarded bases, but not in the way that you would assume guarded bases, like individuals there with guns. They're spiritually guarded for, like, people that are trying to astral project or remote view there. So someone claimed in this post that they were able to astral project and remote view places around the world. That they decided to go into a guarded military place and came across some entities there in this top secret place. And these entities saw them. These entities, this person said, were very hostile and wanted to capture them. But the individual got away and hasn't astral projected or remote viewed since. This individual claimed that they are a down to earth person, non-suicidal, and that they aren't on any medications. They said that they are being tracked now everywhere they go. So this brings up multiple theories, okay? What if the government realized that this remote viewing shit really does work and they hired some individuals to guard their most top secret bases and information and that these individuals are some type of interdimensional beings or maybe people that they've trained to guard them and they stand post 24-7 and then after they realize, oh shit, somebody's astral projecting into this guarded facility, we need to track down who they are and then monitor them afterwards to make sure that they don't do it again. Just a theory. And the declassifications of these documents was a way to them, for them to find individuals who remote view or can do it for them to track them. I don't know. Just a theory.
2: So like when they this person Astro projected to this government place, they gave up their IP address essentially. Pretty so much, yeah, even yeah. though they left, they were still tracked. Yep. Hmm. That's scary. Yeah. So what if you just accidentally end up there? Like you you're traveling down a long road and you get to the end of it, you're like, oh shit, this is area fifty one. How did I get here?
1: <laughs> yeah. It is scary. A little scary. I'm not going to be astral projecting anytime soon.
3: I mean, you just like that these guys, like, got hired to, you know, protect from, like, astral projections. And all of a sudden, just a random guy just pops up in front of you, and you're just like, huh, we see him. And you see this guy just, like, freaking out, like, oh, God, he sees me. Maybe that's what
1: ghosts are. Ghosts are just people or beings astral projecting or remote viewing.
2: It could be. It's a good theory. I like to think of ghosts just living on in different frequencies, different planes of life, so that theory would work.
1: Yeah. All right, Dan, what's this next theory we got?
3: This next one, made up. Maybe the Soviets made all of this up as a way for the U.S. government to spend millions of dollars on useless claims so that the Soviet Union could spend more money elsewhere and try to get ahead. I mean,
1: I mean, it did all start with the Soviets claiming that they had individuals able to do this. Yeah, and I think we've mentioned this theory before. So it wasn't
3: uh, with the space program too?
1: Yeah, kind of that they they made this remote viewing up and said so the government could spend the millions of dollars on the useless claim, so they could get ahead. But
2: hmm. did they know that they would actually find people who could do this and and it actually worked?
1: And it backfired on him. They were like, "Oh shit!"
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Way to go, Pavlov. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Anyways, damn it, Monroe. Why'd you have to find him? Why'd you have to find Ingo Swan? Yep. Yeah. All right. So that
1: takes us to our personal thoughts and theories. So let's start off with you, Anna. What is what is your whole thoughts behind this? Do you believe remote viewing is real? Do you believe it's possible? Do you believe it's made up? What's your whole thoughts? in theories behind all of this.
2: Well, I definitely would say that remote viewing is for sure possible. Um, When you meditate, sometimes you astral project. And I've been doing, it's 333 as I'm talking about this. I just recently got a hold of all the tapes for the hemisync stuff. So I'm going to try those and see if it leads me to having out-of-body experiences and being able to remote view. And I'll definitely get back to you on it. But from what I've heard, and there are even people other than me that have done it, uh, that are more current age, and they have actually had results that work. So I believe that the program is legit. I think that anything that comes to us exploring our consciousness we often either just don't know about it or we get told it's illegal and we can't use a substance that helps us do it. So for this being something that would show a part of the power that we have, it would make sense that it's not mainstream, but that it worked as a government program for seventeen plus years because it actually does work. You just have to be the in the right state of mind and understand how to travel through The different types of the phases, as HemiSync calls it. So, hell yeah, I believe they would have used this to their advantage. And then also used it to our detriment by telling us it's not real stuff and (laughs) getting rid of anything that allows it to be holistic so that they can make money on big pharma and all that stuff.
3: Well,
1: hell yeah. Well, thank you for that.
2: You're very welcome, sir.
1: All right, Dan, what's your thoughts behind all this?
3: So my thoughts would be that I do believe remote viewing is possible, but I think with like Project Stargate, I think it was a scam. They, they what, 17 years or so with this program, 20 million. Think 1970s, how much 20 million is now? It's like about 134 million.
1: Damn, did you do the inflation calculator that fast? God dang. I did. I was preparing for this. True Asian skills. But, uh. I'm just kidding.
3: <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, I'm trying to look at a different viewpoint here that, you know, Ingo, like I stated earlier, that he didn't work well with other scientists that he didn't get along with. So it made me think something sketchy could have gone on. That some of these people that he worked with and all that were in on a scam because. You know, they're getting paid this much, they're getting this much money for this project. And honestly, if you think about it, how much does it cost to have a guy sit there in a chair, have a box in front of him and be like, all right, what's in the box?
1: A dick.
2: A head. Yeah. But.
1: I don't know. That's a good question. What is in yeah. the
3: box? Well, I mean, it's just like, how much does that, like, how much do you think that would cost the government for someone to do a test like that? And then. Next thing you know, you're calling someone on the West Coast or whatever from the East Coast. And like now you're telling this person what they're looking at. Like, I don't see it being worth like 20 million. So and you think about it now it would be 134 million for a project like that. So I'm thinking maybe some of these scientists and maybe Ingo pocketing some of the cash that they were getting, which I mean it's not like it never happened. Of course, some of these programs and you know politicians and shit pocketing money. Certain money get moved around and, oh, look, I think it was what, with the Pentagon, certain funds when plane supposedly crashed or whatever, got hit by a missile, funds were missing, you know. Two trillion. Yeah. Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah, I mean, not, oh, two trillion, not much at all, right? So, you know, it could be possible that this was just all a, a farce to pocket money or maybe relocate money somewhere else to something we don't know. Yeah, it's a declassified you know, project and everything, but I don't know. It just seems kind of sketchy. Like he couldn't work with other scientists other than the ones he liked. Okay.
1: All right. Well, thank you for that, Dan. Yeah. All right. My whole thoughts behind all this is that I do think the, that humans do have some ability to remote view or traverse the universe in some way. They have abilities overall that most people are not aware of that they have. Right, or that they can do. My whole thing as to why I'm like, this is so weird for me is that why would the government come out and say all of this with the declassified documents? They always have some type of like purpose as to why they do things, right? Do they want the average Joe to know that, hey, you as a human being can do this? There's got to be a purpose behind. Behind this, why they declassified it, why they're telling us about it, you know, whether it be it was all made up like they whether it didn't work like they all claimed it didn't. But according to the, the according to the declassified documents, I mean, it says otherwise, you know, so it's kind of hard for me. I think I don't I don't really know what to think. I'm kind of in the middle. I I do think it's possible to remote view. But I think there's more like nefarious reasons as to why the government released these documents telling us that we can do it. I think there's like a something missing and I don't know what it is. You know, some purpose. Money could be it, Daniel. Money is the driving force behind a lot of things. So I, that's, that's my whole take behind it.
2: Yeah,
3: because you think about it. Who was it? Was it Ingo that helped with like 400 something missions?
2: Uh, jo- uh, Joseph Mon- Mon- Mon-Eagle.
3: Okay, that guy. Johnny. Johnny Boy. Joseph. He- Joseph Boy. He helped with, you know, 400-something missions and actually did a lot of good. You know, with how much he helped the military and locating, you know, like the KGB guy and all this stuff, why would they end the program if it actually- if he was actually doing that much good?
2: It was an accident. It was grouped in with another set of um it was listed under like another type of category and someone cut funding to that and then afterwards they were like, Oh shit. Uh that's we're in that category. So they lost their funding that way. But I think they came back and got it a couple of years later.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, what we do know is this all is very weird and it's interesting and intriguing to say the least.
3: It is. I do agree. Not definitely not gonna say that Ingo's abilities were fake. I mean, how how often do you draw like see someone hiding a picture of fucking twenty four grapes and he draws twenty four grapes? Exactly twenty (laughs) four. I mean that's not something you could just randomly guess easily. I don't know.
2: Well the thing is it's like you're easy His percentage of being right was way more than 50%. I think it was like 80-something. I mean, he hardly ever got anything wrong. Uh, And even if it was off, he still had things that were very close to it. it. It's hard to explain when they tried so many different ways, especially when it came to Yuri, with putting him in a room where nobody else was in it. Trying to do all these different methods to make sure he wasn't getting any sort of cues from anybody else. But, I mean, overall, this this remote viewing thing is interesting. I, I was thinking of why why would they want us to know? Oftentimes, they tell us things like this because they think it's so outlandish. They're not really going to believe that this is real. Same thing with the UFOs. Like, it's so out there people are just going to be like, brush it off. But these, you know it's declassified for a reason and it does have valid information in it. They may not tell us everything that was going on, but what they do tell us is true. And everything I've seen has shown that these studies are real. And then if they are real, that would mean that Joe did go to Mars, and that there were a species that lived on Mars a million years ago. And now we are trying to go back to Mars to live, or possibly, even though we did live there at one time.
1: Elon is one of the aliens trying to get back to his home planet to
2: save the originals. Aren't they about
3: to launch something to Mars? It's like a, not a satellite, but like a camera type thing back to Mars?
1: Mm, I don't know.
2: I did see something like that. Not like a helicopter, but like something that's going to float around over there.
3: Yeah. can't remember what it was. I know mm. I saw it. I just don't remember what exactly.
2: Like a hot air balloon to travel around to Mars.
3: They don't like satellites, so we're going something more primitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was, but it looked weird. Mm.
2: I saw that too, Dan. I don't know if it was this morning or last night or something. But I just saw something about it.
3: Yeah, I think I saw it like last night. I didn't think much of it because they're always trying to send stuff to Mars.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So y'all got any more final thoughts about any of this that you want to add before we move on?
2: What happens when we get to Mars and we find out that there was a species living there first? What happened to them? Are we them? We are the Earth versions oh. of Martian beings.
3: Was our ancestors the one that killed the dinosaurs when they landed here? It wasn't a meteor. It was a spaceship. Oh. Okay, Dan.
1: I see you, baby. Shaking that
3: ass.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man, those are all good theories. All good theories. So, that is the end of today's episode. And that rolls us into Hans is on the scene. On the scene. So, if you don't know what Hans is on the scene is, it's basically where in the field reporter Hans goes out and gets the public's opinion on current conspiracies and happenings. So, we listen to that each week. We do not have an on-the-scene this week. Currently in the process of acquiring a in-the-field reporter microphone for Hans to get better audio quality. So that is why we do not have a on-the-scene this week. And he will be back next week with one. So hold your britches, and he'll be back. I'm holding him. All right so that moves us on to shout outs all right who wants to go first with the shout outs
2: uh so this week on the Twitter sphere we have I've been talking a lot to Thomas appreciate your messages man hope you're figuring out the patreon and everything did I ever talk to you guys about Jersey? no Jersey. there's an email I had sent you guys a while back from. This, uh, guy called Jersey said that it would be amazing if we could listen to his voice message next episode. It would make his birthday wish come true. I mean, I responded to him, but I told him that we would already recorded the episode, which we had, when I got the email. Well, I know that this is late, but Jersey, I wanted to wish you a happy birthday, and, you know, sorry we couldn't get to your voicemail. You know, we're doing those on the special voicemail episodes once a month, so, uh... I apologize for that, but do know we're thinking about you. Happy birthday, dude.
1: Happy birthday. I love you and I'm proud of you. And I hope you hope you have a good one and I miss you and I hope you're doing great.
3: Happy birthday, man. Much love. Hope you're having a great one or you had a great one.
2: Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot going on today for my shout outs.
1: All right. So I want to give a shout out to Mr. G. He tagged us in Instagram um, about a Fox News post where they stated that the Oklahoma representative introduced a bill to create Bigfoot hunting season. And he said, get it over to Dan. We wanted you to know, Dan.
3: They're never going to get him. I don't even know why they try.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's a huge mistake. All right. Huge. Um, so we got a lot of new followers on Instagram. I want to shout out everybody on there. Um, specifically a few people that commented on our Patreon, uh, post the other day, Jacqueline F, uh, Ashley, she said, it's so worth it. The Patreon is that she loves the bonus episodes on legacy. Lex said completely worth it. Uh, Erica Y gave the hands up as in praising, love you Jamie Rose said uh, that we need to do an episode on Richard Ramirez, like his association uh, with the devil his motives, his life before she needs more information and you guys are the ones who have to give it to me, so we gotta, we gotta put him down on the list, Richard Ramirez so shout out to Jamie Rose, my new baby's mama um, shout out to Granny Panties. She said this is the only reason I joined Patreon was because of all the exclusive content that she got. Love you. Wow. Getting Brains said so worth it. Sweatpant Daddy suggested we do an episode on Julian Assange. So we got to get him in on the lineup. And uh, the Trash Goblin said it was the, joining the Patreon was the best thing that they ever did in case anyone was wondering if they should do it. Shout out to all them. Love you all for all the support. Everything you do, everything you say, you're all amazing. Um, We also had somebody comment and said, did you guys get taken off of Spotify? No, we're still on Spotify. If we were ever taken off of any platform, I'm sure we'll make a post stating as to, you know, why we were taken off. That's when we start up the backup servers and go in the basement and get all those servers started up and start publishing ourselves but until then we're sending you out through Apple iTunes and Spotify and all those other great media podcast directories but besides that I wanted to shout everybody out on Instagram thank you for your love for the pleasure for the support pleasure mm. and sending it right back to you alright Dan who you got for Facebook shoutouts
3: first one I got out is uh, Nick he says that he's been listening to our episodes and it got him thinking about stuff and in the 90s he said he was a kid looking up aliens and stuff like that and stumbled upon some documents online that he could swear were Air Force saying something about using Europe as groups of mega cities and using the United States as a farming slave colony he said he tried looking today but he couldn't like he couldn't find anything else about it but he does remember finding that stuff and it had like drawings and details of alien types and locations they are from and he asked if we could see if we could search into that and talk about it which is interesting.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll uh I'll write that down and look into it. That sounds super interesting. Let's see,
3: got Connor, he asked if uh we were going to do Scientology this season. I I told him it's on our list but I don't know if we're going to get to it this season. It's possible but we're not sure yet.
1: Yeah, it is on our list. It's just a huge topic. It's very touchy. Oh, extremely touchy. Anybody does anything on it? They, like, send you cease and desist letters and all that good stuff. So we got to make sure all of our ducks are in a row before we out them.
3: Yeah, I don't want uh, Tom Cruise coming up to my door and trying to intimidate me. You know what I'd do with that midget? You know what I'd fucking do to him? What would you do to tell me? I might ask you to do it. I'd kiss him right on the lips. Oh, I knew I'd want you to do it to me. <laughs> anyway, let's move it on. Uh, then another shout out to Tyler. He's uh he's like, hey, just an idea. What do you guys think about what happens after you die? He's like, I've done a lot of thinking and watch the show, The Good Place, and see what we can come up with. Which I've seen a couple episodes of The like The Good Place. is like, after you die, what happens and stuff. That's a pretty funny show.
2: It's really good. There's twists and turns. I'm not finished with it yet, but I highly recommend people watch it.
3: Yeah. I think we touched on kind of what happens after you die in one of our episodes, but not a lot on it though. Then uh shout out to Devin. Just wanted to say like great show today, informative and hilar- and hilarious as always. he as thanks for the shout out so you're getting another shout out. Let's see then uh Will, shout out to him. He joined Patreon as well as a couple others. Salim and Dion, <laughs> And uh Kaiser again. But yeah, Nice. And then, uh, of course, I got the Facebook group that I created for Theories of Third Con for when we did our poll about voicemails. They're staying active in that, posting stuff here and there. Nice. Some shout out to those guys and gals and aliens, Bigfoot. Nice.
2: You know, I do have one more that I almost forgot. Oh, give it to us. So I just wanted to shout out uh, Blue Wolf Boy 08 and wish him a happy early birthday. He got a brand new horse, what's well pony, for his birthday, <laughs> and she's adorable, so I just wanted to let him know that I was thinking about him, and wanted to wish him a happy freaking birthday, dude. Enjoy yourself, and your new friend, Cookie. <laughs> Cookie. Yeah,
3: happy, happy birthday, or happy early birthday? Happy early
1: birthday. Yeah, love yes.
3: ya. Much love.
1: Alright, well, that's the end of the episode today. I wanted to thank everyone for joining us today, and again, thank you for all your support. You are all amazing, every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan and Annie you want
3: to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts.
2: Because you're not alone.
3: Boom.